Well, how you doing tonight? I know you fought the rain, but I'll tell you, the glory of God is worth it. If you fought traffic, the glory of God is worth it. I mean, think about the woman with the issue of blood. She had a real traffic jam to get past. She had, <laughs> she had some cultural things to overcome. Is that right? But she pressed right on through. Praise God for those that are pressing right on through for the word of God. Are you ready tonight to receive the word of God? Lord, thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for strengthening your people. We sensed you tonight. You honor us with your presence tonight. Thank you for building up everyone that's come tonight, refreshing their souls. Lord, bringing direction, bringing correction, whatever your spirit desires, that we might be in the place that God wants us to be in Jesus' name. And we want to be more like Jesus every day. Everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I have been thrilled by the series that pastor started on the in-training series. I was here last week. I tell you, everything is hitting my spirit just right. And if you didn't make it to the, how many of you made it to that, that launching of that, of that series? It's, it's just awesome. It's true. Things don't happen in your life by accident. Uh, so many great points in that. I'm going to read a few of the scriptures that, that he uh, started the series with. And I, I don't pretend... <laughs> I'm not pretending to, to add to the series. I just have a little something to share that the Lord uh, ministered to us at home when we were praying one time and the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon us. And uh, I, heard a, I, I read uh, the, it, once a man of God said that until you've had an opportunity to preach a message 50 times, then you're really not ready to preach it. <laughs> well, if I have to preach a message 50 times before I can actually preach it, well, I'm in trouble because I don't get 50 times. But this is the second time. The first time was in my bedroom. <laughs> my wife put up with me as the Spirit of God came on us, and we were, take, we were being blessed by God. Amen. But this has to do with training your personality. Training your personality. And I am not a psychologist, but I do. The Lord touched our life one day. So allow this to bless you. Allow this to come in line with what the Lord is, is going to be sharing and has, has shared last week through our pastors in, in this whole thought that we are in training. Amen? Let me read a few scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 in the Message Bible. You've been raised, and this is the message, you've been raised on the message of faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. It says, stay clear of silly stories and that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. Everybody say exercise, exercise. daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far uh, more so making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take to heart. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. So Pastor made such a good point about... Um, Exercise. I, I, I took that heed, you know, like we all should be doing something to exercise our bodies. You know, the, the little bit that the, the exercising will profit. Is that right? Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 through 14. He, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, the New Living Bible. Just a couple scriptures, about three, three scriptures here as we, as we kind of try to tap into some of the things, some of the scriptures pastor shared last week. This is in the New Living Translation. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what is right. But solid food, verse 14, is for those who are mature, who through what? Through training, through training, 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 have the skill to recognize the difference between right and and wrong. We're talking about training here tonight as well. Matthew 7, and as you're going to Matthew 7, 13 and 14, I'll comment on what we just read. Uh, the whole concept last week so excellently put forth is that things don't come in the Christian life by trying them. You must, you must by practice 
and by concerted effort apply yourself to the direction and the counsel of a trainer. The Holy Spirit is our trainer. Actually, the Holy Spirit can work through your pastors. He can work if you're married through your wife or husband. The Holy Spirit can choose anyone to to speak to, and he may speak to you in, in any number of areas. Of course, when you come to church, you expect to receive training spiritually. But friends, uh, we're triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. And there's some things that you can learn in the house of God about your spirit. Not only your spirit, but your soul and your body. Amen. And there are certain things that, that I understand that, you know, I'm not a physical trainer. I, I mean, if, if you were to say, uh, Pastor Tom, uh, take me to the gym and let's work, I, and, and be my physical trainer. I can't do that. I, 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 well, I, was to, I, I went to the gym once in my whole life. I do a little, I do a little bit of training at home, okay? Uh, but but I, can't, I can't speak to that, but I can speak to, we can speak to other areas. Let the Spirit of God speak to you tonight. Somebody said amen. amen. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is... And this is the Message Bible. Sorry. This is Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, the Message. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. (laughs) Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. You really need to apply yourself to the things of God. Apply yourself, train yourself in the things of God. Let's talk about spiritual training. Of course, just for a few minutes, we're not talking about spiritual training. You hear about that a lot. The Lord touched me about, again, about training your personality. But let's talk about training of the Spirit. 1 Timothy 4.7 in the Amplified Bible. 1 Timothy 4.7. A lot of scriptures, but it's okay. You can jot them down. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales and silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. Train yourself toward godliness, piety, keeping yourself spiritually fit. Let me read that phrase again. Train yourself toward godliness. Keeping yourself spiritually fit. Has anyone ever trained for anything before? I mean, if you've been in sports, you've been in training. If you have a specialized job. Yeah, there you go. We got a, we got a, a bodybuilder back there. We got, I know there's a trainer back there. Well, it's, not, it's, it's in numerous areas. Even in areas of occupation, when you undergo training, it is a very specialized sequence of of sessions that are intended to bring your level of performance and your level of understanding to a higher level. Somebody said amen. amen. If you did the best you could, that's not good enough. I said if you just threw yourself at it and did the best you could, like Pastor said, if, if you went to fly an airplane, all right, I, excuse me, if you went to fly in an airplane and there was a person with good intention says, can you fly this jet? And of course, pastor's example says, if you said, well, I'll try, I'll give it a good old try. And he says, no, no, thank you. I don't want a person that's just going to try. I want a person that's trained, yes. trained. I, and and there, there's almost another saying, tried and proven. <laughs> in other words, not try something, someone that's trained and actually did it and has been approved to do what you're counting on them to do. If it's flying an airplane, they've been trained to fly an airplane. If they are a physician, they're trained to, uh, to minister to people physically and to the needs of their body. Amen, somebody. So anyway, back to this thing about training. He says, the way to God is vigorous, and vigorous requires total attention. And, and here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, train yourself toward godliness and keeping yourself spiritually fit. Every Christian needs to make a goal of being spiritually fit. I'm certain pastor is going to hit that. I mean, we hit that all the time, but particularly in this series. Colossians 3.16, let's touch that one. This is talking about being spiritually fit or things that happen spiritually, how you train your spirit. And you're familiar with this. I believe this is in the Amplified Bible. Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another. Is that right? 
in all insight and intelligence and wisdom, in, then it goes on to say, in spiritual things. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. There you have it again. When you come to church, or really when you come together, I know of several friends that get together and go to the coffee shop, or they hang out at the pizza parlor, and they talk about God. Or they text each other. You know, there's a, there's a lot of friendships happening in the household of God. And these friends, we encourage each other, and we admonish each other, and we're helping to train one another to have a spiritual tone of mind and heart and spirit. Is that right? So those are, the, those are the good kind of friends to have. Of course, we touched body and the big scripture on body is 1 Timothy 4. I'll just read it real, real quick. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is in, of that which is to come. Bodily exercise profiteth a little. And as Pastor said, we should really profit the little that it does. You really need to have some kind of routine. You should not be a couch potato. You really need to do something. Get up and move. Do something. Pastor even said, get a hobby, you know. <laughs> Go on walks. I mean, one of the best exercises in the world is taking a walk. And I found, look, if you, if you have a friend, here's a, here's a little tip. If you have a friend and you enjoy talking a lot, why don't you walk and talk? It's a, great, it's a great form of exercise, and you take a turn in the garden, you take a walk at Lake Elizabeth or something. It's a great form. How many of you do that? How many, how, many have, how many of you have just sat in one place like a couch potato and talked for an hour and a half, and then at another time walked? You walked and you talked, and it was like so much, there was more oxygen, so much more rewarding. How many will say that taking a walk really helped? Yeah. It, it helped your frame of mind. It, it's good for your circulation. All these really good things. Okay, so take a walk with a friend. Amen. So there you go, bodily exercise. But now we're talking about the soul tonight. We're talking about the soul. And we're made of, we're a triune being. That's why the Lord is impressing me. Let's go this way about dealing with your personality. And how do you know you're a triune being? Familiar verse of scripture. Don't have to turn there. First Thessalonians 5.23. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit, say it with me, spirit and soul and body be preserved. Blameless. How many dimensions to your person? Three. Three. What are they? Spirit, soul, and body. So we have a spirit. We, we, we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a physical body. And during this time of training, we want to make sure that we're addressing all three. Notice some scriptures about the soul. For ye were sheep going astray, but you are now returned to the bishop of your souls. I have a question for you. Does God really care about your soul? Does he care about the way you feel, the way you think? Absolutely, he does. He's called the bishop or the pastor or the shepherd of your soul. And you know, in Scripture and in Christendom, actually, we already have been trained that many times it's, it's, it's really confused the whole idea of what the soul is because some people confuse the soul with the spirit. But very, very clearly in the Word of God, we see that the Word of God is the discerner and it makes a dividing line between the soul and the spirit. One, one um, translation says the meeting place between the two. So the soul and the spirit are not the same. And we are not, well, I'm, I'm not here to confuse anybody, but I'm trying to say you are a spirit being and you have a soul. And some of the things that we're going to talk about in your soul have to do with your personality. All right, that's, it, it, this is what we're going to talk about tonight, your personality. And there is a difference. So when you say that, that receive the sincere or desire the sincere milk of the word that that uh, you may grow thereby you know and 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 there's another portion of scripture that talks about that that the, the receive with meekness the engrafted word James 121 which is able to save your souls for tonight's purposes let's remember or let's look at it this way that as you receive the word of God you are actually in the process we know we're renewing our mind but that area of our soul there's our spirit and there's our soul and the words coming in the discerning some things cleaning some things making things more efficient, making us more like Jesus, perfecting our personalities. So we're going to look at saving of our souls, and I feel that's, that's, a, a, that's a liberty that's not too, too far out for us to take tonight. We're talking about our souls, literally. No, we're not talking about saving our spirit. No, your, your spirit is saved. Jesus redeemed your spirit. If, if we were all to take our last breath, 
right now, we'd all, we're all, those of us that have received Jesus into our lives, we're born again. Our spirits are alive, right? Amen? So our spirits aren't getting any more saved than they already are. It's our souls, the way that we think and our mind and our will and our emotions and different things. That's what really needs saving on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> so let me, let me quickly st- step right into the teaching. And let's go to Hebrews 4, verse 2 and 3. I, I thank you for bearing with me for a few minutes of, of groundwork. Maybe for the next 20 minutes or so, we'll touch this. And maybe I trust this will be a real big blessing to you because it certainly was a blessing to us. We work with artists we work with, with uh, craftsmen, skilled people, and, and, and the field that I work in, I work with a lot of really gifted people, and many, many times, really gifted people, well, sometimes, everybody has a bent somewhere, and your personality, whatever it is, will define a few things, but your personality has a strength and it has a weakness. There's four basic personalities, and I know that I'm not trying to put anybody in a box, but you know they talk about people being, uh, being the lion or, or, or being the, the, the Labrador retriever or, well, give me the names, the, the, the otter or, or the beaver. And the, the, the other, the, I guess the, the, the clinical names of these things, the lion is the choleric and the, uh, the phlegmatic is the golden retriever. Golden fear. The otter is the, the sanguine is the otter, and the and the melancholic is is the beaver. And all of these personalities that we all we all approach life. I realize there's mixtures and different things. I know that. But you know, we all have parts of our personality that if we leave, leave it unchecked, it will destroy us. And you'll go from having a wonderful life to having a, a lousy life if you let your personality go, get out of control. That's why we've got to train our personalities. The person that's the sanguine is the life of the party. I love the sanguines. They just have lots and lots of fun. But the problem is the, sanguine for, the sanguines forget their commitments. They never remember what happened, what they said. They're the ones that burn the rice. They're the ones that shrink the, the sweater in the, in the dryer. They're the ones that forgot that they had a flight that day. Now, ooh, what was today the day? They're the sanguines. But everything's a party, man. It's really fun to be around them. They're the ones you go out to dinner with, tell all the jokes, and then they forgot their wallet at home. But they're a blast. They're the life of the party. You see, the sanguine person, they have to be really careful. They need their personality to be touched by God. They need to train their personality. I'm not saying they have to become sour. They just need to have their personality trained so when they approach life, they don't do what just comes natural. Forget everything and just laugh everything off. You know, laugh, you don't laugh in every situation of life. You don't tell a joke in every circumstance of life. So if you were, and then, then you go to the other side. Well, what do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy that's all sad all the time? Like always crying about everything, always looking at all the details and everything is never adding up. Look at the melancholic. Thank God for the melancholics. They're the ones that the bookkeepers and all that, you know, they watch all the little details, but you know, they're so tight in on the details. Like, would you come out to the party? You know, like they come to the party and the first thing they notice about the cake is that the candle's crooked and, 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 <laughs> You know, that, that tablecloth doesn't match and, and so-and-so sang flat on happy birthday to you. And, and you know, these, these I mean, if, you're, if you go overboard and your, your, your personality hasn't been redeemed and touched by the blood of Jesus, you haven't leaned your personality onto Christ, that, that personality will turn into a disorder to where you can't enjoy life and you can't be a blessing to anybody and surely not to yourself. And then, of course, there's the choleric. You know, thank God for the cholerics. They get things done. They say, let's get her done. Come on. But the problem is they mow everybody down on the way. What dead bodies? They have no problem. They have no problem firing everybody. No problem. Confrontations is their middle name, dude. Just don't mess with me, man. Yeah, but the problem is, you know, not everything in life is a confrontation. Fine if you target that at the devil and say, get your hands off my babies. That's fine. Get your hands off my money. Get your hands off our church. Or I command you in Jesus' name. But not everything it's appropriate to. You've got to allow your personality to be touched by God. 
And then, of course, I'm missing one, the golden retriever. They are the gold, the, 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 the phlegmatic. You know what? They are so chill. Oh, man. I, I mean, I really appreciate phlegmatics, man. They are so chill. They're the ones that they might be wearing a suit on the outside, but they got loafers and shorts on the inside, man. They are just like so chill. You know, there's a fire in the house. Oh, check it out, man. Really? Whoa. Check this out. Sanguine. Whoa, that's is amazing. Hey, the choleric. Pick up that hose and do this right away. The melancholy. Like, how did this happen? How, we've got to really avoid this. <laughs> you know, Oh, uh, she's telling me that the phlegmatics are very loyal. Well, thank God for all these. And, and understand, not everyone is one entirely long. But I, I want to show you something. When you as a Christian are submitting yourself to the Word of God and you're, you're being a Christian, right? Like Pastor said last week, hey, before I'm a pastor, before I'm anything, first of all, I'm a child of God. Yeah. Hello, child of God. I don't care if you have a PhD. I don't care if you have a pastor name for him. The first thing you are is you are a child of God. You're like a child, you're a son, you're a daughter of the Lord. And we are first and foremost family members in the body of Christ. And we want to fellowship with our father. We want to love him and be loved by him, receive his love. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And he made us the way that we are, right? Yes. And he's going to lead us how we could be most effective. Your personality is a tremendous blessing in the hand of the master. Somebody said amen. I don't want anybody leaving feeling like, bummer, dude. I feel so bad about how God made No, no, God made you wonderfully. But let's talk about some of these things. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. In the New King James Version, Hebrews 4, verses 2 and 3. Is everybody there yet? Talking about training your personality tonight. For indeed, the gospel was preached unto us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. I'm going to read that one more time. Then we're going to take it in the Amplified Bible. Let me read that again in the New King James. For indeed, the gospel was preached unto us as well as to them. So here you have case A and case B, if we were in a clinical study, and the, the, the word came to people. God spoke to a certain group of people. And this group of people, somehow this word that's supposed to be so powerful and so sharper than any two-edged sword and so amazing and so everlasting and upholds everything and so creative. And so if you give yourself to it, it'll build you up and give you an inheritance and prosper everything, spirit, soul, and body that you do. It profited them nothing. It didn't work for them. And then this group of people over here, he's saying, on the other hand, this group of people, you can not only hear the word of God, but you can actually profit from it and not just hear about it, but live it and actually live the high life, the kind of life that Jesus came to give if you do something. And he, uh, we've been trained before, you know, you're supposed to mix faith. When you hear that, that was a little blind to me, but the Lord opened my heart one morning as I got up and I was just dealing with some things. We were dealing with some things and we touched it in the Amplified. Can you, are you ready for this? Let's, let's read this in, in the Amplified. In verse 1, uh, Hebrews, chap, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, while the promise of entering into his rest still holds, friend, the promise of God for you to have abundant life holds today. And so this is talking to you. This is talking to me right now. While the promise of entering his rest and his best, you might say, still holds and is offered today. Let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. In other words, it's within your grasp. Let's go to the next verse and let's really get into it. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. See if you catch this. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. Now look at this phrase. With the leaning of the entire personality. Did you, did you see that? 
the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it. Now catch that. I've read this so many times where it was, it was not mixed with faith. It was not mixed with faith. But when I saw that phrase and it says, He defined what mixed with faith, and really it's throughout the entire, many, many scriptures. You'll see it again and again and again, particularly in the New Testament. When he talks about it was not mixed with faith, those that heard it did not, at the moment upon hearing it, did not lean their entire personality onto God. Think about that. I mean, I believe in faith and, and all these things, which faith is of the spirit and is of the heart. But this really casts a very interesting light because you are also, not only are you a spirit, you also have a soul. And you've got to deal with your soul, friends. When the word of God comes to you and he says, I'm going to do thus and so for you. Whatever your personality is, I don't know how it is, but you know how it is. If you respond by freaking out, the days of freaking out has got to be over. You can't freak out anymore. If your personality bent or your propensity is to lose your cool and to then throw a big fit and have a fit of rage, that is no longer acceptable if you are going to receive fully the promise of God. You cannot afford the indulgence of whatever comes naturally to an untrained personality. The person that's the sanguine, when the word of God comes, there's a time where I know that we are to enjoy the things of God. But when the word of God comes to us, the sanguine has got to get sober enough, if you will, to receive the word of God and give it its due reverence. Stop the joking. Stop the levity and get serious and show some reverence to God. There will be plenty of time for dancing and shouting and laughing at the right time. As for the choleric, the choleric has got to stop what he's doing. Because the choleric, it's very, very... The, te- the propensity to the choleric, I think, is to be very bullheaded and very just moving so strong. It's really hard to stop the choleric personality and say, whoa, stop a moment. And here's what I've got to say. Thus saith the Lord. So he's got to learn how to humble himself and show some self-control and stop. Instead of barreling through life, because that's, that's what the lion personality is so used to doing. It's so used to just taking control and stepping forward. But instead of that, the lion personality has got to learn how to step back, consult with God. Hear the word of the Lord first before you jump. David showed this when in Ziklag, when he went and of course the, the town was decimated. And he consulted with God. And while he was consulting with God, he said, shall I pursue? And then the Lord said, pursue for you shall recover all. But you know what? Anybody else would have just been really flipping mad. I mean, a cleric would have said, oh, yeah. He would have said, let's go. Let's go get them, boys. But, but David stopped and he consulted with God. I think. I think the choleric's primary challenge is to stop enough and to stop what they're doing. Just shut off your program and hear from God. That's what I really think the choleric's challenge is, primary. Because they're such self-starters. They're so strong in what they do. And the thing about it is it's very, it's very intoxicating. Because when you're around a choleric and they seem to be going in motion, you like, like it kind of draws you that if you're not a choleric, you kind of go, yeah, they really know what they're doing. But not every choleric in the world knows what they're doing. They're not all led by the Spirit of God. Hello. We're talking about training your spirit. I'll follow any personality as long as they have been touched by God. Now, then there's the there's the the golden retriever personality. They have to they need they need to take. I feel the golden retrievers challenge is to be able to be courageous enough to take whatever mission or whatever uh, commission is given the person. Um, it's very possible, I mean, I don't know, but it's very possible Moses may have been phlegmatic. 
I mean, when, when Moses was called by God, he says, oh, I don't really, I can't even talk. I mean, not, not me, sure. Oh, can pick somebody else, you know, because why he just, he, they did, I want to be in the background. I don't, I don't really want to be in front of people. I can't, I can't even talk, you know. But you see, here's what's beautiful, friends. Moses did one of the most amazing feats in history. And he's called the meekest man that ever lived. And he, he took an entire nation in a day, moved them out with a mighty hand. Phenomenal, phenomenal achievement by a man that was meek and may very well have been a phlegmatic. Now, these people, the, 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 the phlegmatics, they don't, they don't want confrontation. But you know what? If you're, if you're a manager and there's a point at which you need to address something, you need your personality touched by God. You need your personality touched by God so that you can say with love, speak the truth and address certain things. In fact, it doesn't, doesn't even have to be on the job. It needs to be in your personal life. There are some things where finally you're going to say, you know what? This is not right and I'm going to have to put a boundary here. That's so hard for people that are phlegmatics. They just, they just want to keep the peace at all costs. Friend, the, de- the days of sacrificing your life and your peace with God and your standing with God because of some other rude person that is inconsiderate, those days need to come to an end. You need to follow God. You've got to stop. I mean, and who, I mean, there are so many dynamics about relationships, you know, dependency and the codependency and abuse and da, 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 all these things that happen. But I think, I, I think, you know, we put things on ourselves. Like if, if, if our kids or our grandkids are doing something that's not right and you're one of those personalities, like you have to learn how to lovingly step up to the plate and do something and say something that's right. Provide the guidance. Somebody said, amen. Did I miss one? Oh, the cholerics. The melancholics. I believe the weakness of the melancholic is, is able, they need to learn to trust God with the details. You're not always going to get all the details up front, just ducks in a row. It's never going to be. And the fact of the matter is life goes on. I said life goes on. I mean, for, the, for that melancholic person, they need to be touched by God. Because I'll tell you, life is so, like, not perfect. You know, if you really, really, if you're in the carpet business, you're going to find out, oh, this carpet's bad. If you're in the painting business, that painting, that, if you're in the computer business, this is bad, this is bad. Friends, we are in a fallen world. It, can, it really can drive a, a melancholic person to be very unhealthy, where you start feeling like you're surrounded with mediocrity and you're surrounded with things that are not perfect friends. The only thing you need to concern yourself with perfect, you know what I really believe that the melancholics really need to do? You better, we, we best meditate on the love of God, that perfect love casts out fear. And you know what? You can enjoy your life even if you have a scuff on your shoe or even you have a dent on your car. You, and listen, this, I'm telling you, this will drive you batty. If you're one of those kind, I mean, I was out there polishing my car, ooh, waxing it, and the next day, like, the, it looks terrible. So I'm out there for an hour and something, wax it up again, and then I'll get out the next day, and it looks terrible again. I finally, I gave up on the inside. <laughs> Says, I don't even care anymore. Well, the Lord helped me a little bit. I, I said, I don't care in a bad way. You know, I just, I let things go. So the, the, the challenge for the melancholic, I believe, is to be their personality, to be touched by God so that they can get in a place of faith and grace to be able to face life and do, put your gift in operation in a world where people don't pay attention to details. <laughs> You know, people just don't. I mean, and you just get used to it. I mean, the person that sewed your shirt probably did a mistake. I mean, I'm sure if you look for it, you'll find it. I mean, <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, your, no, your two shoes, they don't look identical. This will drive you nuts. If you put your two hands together, help me out. Even your anatomy, if you look at your nose, for sure, maybe it's a little crooked. Even your ears are a little something. Forget perfectionism, friend. What really counts in life? You've got to let the Spirit of God touch your personality and you've got to train yourself 
Let your spirit rise up and say, this is what I will do. Don't let what's automatic in your, oh, there's a joke told about in the office that, that I don't like things wrinkled and I don't like things crooked. You know, for me, this is just a little bit of me, okay? For me, it's, it's, it's really a sin for me to watch Monk. Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah, that's really bad for me. Really, really bad. I mean, there was a, there was a marathon of monk stuff, you know, monk years ago. And it was like monk episode after episode after episode. And that's the guy that like, everything's got to be this way and everything's got to be just perfect and everything, you know, and he, uh, the, the what? The obsessive compulsive detective. I can't, I can't let my mind go there. I got to fight. Somebody say, fight it, Pastor Tom, fight it. I want you to know that I did get the victory. I finally realized there are times where the, the, the stamp has to be perfect and the copy has to be perfect. But there's other times where it doesn't matter. Somebody said it doesn't matter. You got to get over it. Praise the Lord. Well, why is that? Let's go. Let's go. Let me read this again to you. For indeed, we have the glad tidings preached to us the same way as they had. But it says the, mess, the, the Israelites of old did when the good news of deliverance of bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness. Can we can we drive this home here? Just a, a couple of things about. Oh, there's so much about personality traits. Five major personality traits. I can't. There's a little test that's given that I thought was kind of interesting. Five, five categories. This is just a little aside. Uh, five major personality traits. Although each person has hundreds, if not thousands, of different quirks <laughs> and traits that make up their personality, psychologists have tried to provide a bit of guidance for people to define the personality trait and to determine the most important traits. As a result, they have come up with a list of five major personality traits. These five traits make up the essence of a person's personality. Number one was openness. Openness refers to how open you are to experiencing new things. Do you enjoy learning new ideas and concepts, or are you frightened of change? Two was conscientiousness. Conscientiousness refers to how dedicated you are. When you say you are going to do something, do you follow through? Not the sanguine. Uh, do you have a strong work ethic? Number three, extroversion. Extroversion asks, how comfortable are you in the company of others? Do you prefer to be by yourself or in a crowd? Do you like to be the life of the party? Uh, number four was agreeableness. Do you try to get along with people or do you go out of your way to be contentious and start a fight? <laughs> Some of you people said, I met somebody like that today. <laughs> number five, then there's neuroticism. It's how emotionally stable are you? Do you get upset over little things or do they roll off your back? We could go for days. I mean, there's, there's probably lots of things. And I know for a fact that there are people in the room that have studied this. They have doctorates in this and the whole thing. So I'm not going to pretend to you know, read you just a few, read you a few things. But I thought those five little things were really interesting to to help like see where you are. But there's little things that we do, you know, like oh my goodness, I wish I, these are some things from the Mayo Clinic. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, huh? Forget it, forget it. It was kind of fun. But let's look. Go back to Hebrews four two through three. Uh, <laughs> you missed that. <laughs> The leaning of your entire personality on him. Let's, let's talk about leaning, first of all. Are you leaning your personality on you? Are you training your personality? If, if, if you say, well, hey, that's just the way I am. It's just, I, I'm, I'm Irish and that's my temper. No, it's not. It's your flesh. And you've, you've allowed yourself to blow up at people and to just have a short fuse in life. You need, we're in training. Yeah. We're training our personalities. To be gracious with people. Everybody say, be nice. Be nice. <laughs> think about that. A novel idea to Christians, be nice. So, so what we're doing is you need to lean your personality on him, not lean on your personality. I mean, for a person that blows off on, at the slightest little thing, they're leaning on their personality and they're using their personality and instead of leaning their personality on him and letting him touch it, you know, then it goes on. And then the, the whole thought about leaning is the entirety of your personality, the whole thing, every bit of it. You know, uh, what you know and what you don't know, regardless of what happened to you in your past and what's happening to you right now. We cannot, when you're in training, you don't make excuses for your behavior. 
We're in training. This is a, a house where love abides. Hello. So when, when you go to the gym and you're trying to lose some weight, you know, you're not fooling everybody, anybody when you show up and you know that you're wearing that girdle thing to try to make you more fit, but you can hardly walk. You ain't fooling nobody. The trainer knows what you got to work. You got work, honey. You got some work to do. <laughs> Hello. So, you know, love is in the house. That's cool. That's right. But don't be self-deceived. You've got to train your personality. You've got to lean it. Train yourself to lean your personality. So if you're dealing with a real high detail-oriented thing, before you start, pray and ask God and say, Lord, help me to have the proper response. If you're, especially if you're dealing with people. Like if people messed up, if they got 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 things right, and they got two things wrong, train yourself not to make such a stinking big deal about the two things they did wrong. That goes with parenting. That goes with, with, with husbands and wives. I mean, do you know how deflating it is to a person that you work really, 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 really hard to do a good job and one of the things got past you, you did nine of the ten things and you did them to, if I could say perfection, you did them to perfection, but then the one thing that you missed, the person comes in the room and they look at what you did and they go, oh, you missed that. They didn't comment at all on the nine things you did right. That is deflating. That is demoralizing. That is depressing. Can I get a witness? Learn how to appreciate what you do have. If they, friends, if your if your child brings home a report card that's got a a B minus on it, you know you should rejoice. This pressure, I'm telling you, the pressure. Not everyone is the Renaissance man. Not everyone is going to do great in physics. Not everybody's going to do great in upper math. Not everybody's going to do great in literature. Not everybody's going to be a great writer. Not every. You understand what I'm saying? You're not going to do, it's not everyone's lot. There's this unseen pressure that's put on kids and put on us that we have to be, know everything equally well. And when you fail, you got to end up going someplace and, 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 you know, well, you got to make that up in summer school and you're a lesser of a human being. Friends, God has put gifts in us. When I get on that airplane, I could care less what that guy knows about history and George Washington. I want, can you fly the blasted plane? When I take my car to a mechanic and he's going to change the timing belt, I could care less what he thinks about quadratic equation. Can you change my belt? Oh, I speak French. I appreciate that. But can you change the stinking belt? Do you know what you're doing? Hello. I mean, after all, we start with this real broad pressure. You've got to know everything. You've got to be the Renaissance man. And then when you finally go for your PhD, you've got to narrow it down. Not only, not only in the medical field. Okay, okay, first of all, you learn all biology and physiology, blah, blah, blah. And then you go, okay, narrow it down. Okay, the human body, okay, we'll work from the neck up. Okay, let's narrow it down a little more. Okay, we're working on warts on people's noses. Okay, now I'm a specialist on warts. I've studied 25 years and spent $355,000 in student loans to be a, the foremost authority on warts on people's noses. Talk. So, you know, this whole thing about being real broad doesn't fly. You go to see the, if you got a wart on your nose, go see the wart doctor and say, yeah, you're the foremost authority on warts, dude. Yeah, right there, man. Take care of it, baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. But this, un, this pressure that comes on our kids, uh-huh. and really that came on us, that we have to do, we're somehow less of a valuable person because you don't know everything all the time and you didn't get straight A's. Hello? Yeah, right. it's, really, it's really an unnecessary pressure. Not, it, what we really should be doing is celebrating our strengths. Yeah. That's what covenant is all yeah. about. Amen. Having strengths. And God gave you a strength. Everybody in this room has strengths. If your strength is with people relations and you're going to MIT, I'm sorry. You know, you go over there and everybody's scared to look at each other. But they're all... (laughs) You're in the wrong school. (laughs) They're so awkward socially and so forth. But boy, they can sure work at Lawrence Livermore Lab and come up with new elements. And they can... Help, praise God. 
I'm, there's a value to everything and everyone. Be in the right. Don't, don't take that pressure. Leaning of the entire person. we got to bring this to a close. Somebody say, are we having a good time yet in, in God? You lean your personality on Him. When you come onto a situation that you know is a pressure-filled situation for your personality, you know you're going to a job interview and you're a phlegmatic, that's probably the worst day of your life. <laughs> They're going to put you up in front of a panel of 30 people. They're going to stare you down. They're going to have the spotlight on you. <laughs> And you don't like confrontations. <laughs> I mean, you, you need the grace. You need your personality to be touched by God. So you could stand in that place without a sense of guilt, fear, inferiority. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Hello, somebody. Just with confidence, knowing that you are a blood-bought child of God. And if, you're, if that's the job that you're cut out for, you answer the questions and the glory of God will be seen on you. Hello. What else were we talking about? Oh, placing on as an... So leaning the entire personality, all the, all the parts, not just part of them. And regardless of what happened in your past, there, I know there's theories about why are you the way that you are. And I wish I did read the definition of what, what it is that, that people, how they define, you know, personality. It really would be nice to kind of read that. Let me read this. Although each person has... Hundred, oh, I read that already. Quirk. <laughs> just one of those quirks, you know. Are you looking to define personality traits? Personality is a pretty important word in the English language. If you ask someone why they chose their spouse or what is most important quality that they look for in a friend, uh, most people and uh, most people, many people will say a good personality. But what does that mean? The truth is the meaning of a good personality is different for everybody. Some people like quiet. Others like to hang out with the loudest people. Some value humor. Others praise intellect. And, of course, many people have both intellect and humor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's, here, here was a pretty good definition before we close it out. Habitual patterns, these are like de- definitions of personality traits. Habitual patterns and qualities of behavior yes. of any individual as expressed by physical and mental activities and attitudes. Some people have bad attitudes. Yeah. We need to have good attitudes. Distinctive individual qualities of a person considered collectively. So all these things from your behavior, your, your attitudes, and the way you approach things, your activities, uh, how, why and how you make decisions. The number two, the complex qualities and characteristics seen as being a distinctive to a group, a nation, or a place. Oh, here's a good one. The sum of such qualities seen as being capable of making or likely to make a favorable impression on other people. Like, oh, they have such a great personality. That's not entirely what we're talking about. Distinguishing quality or characteristic. In other words, this means that personality traits are the distinguishing characteristic that make you you. They are a unique set of characteristics and qualities that only you possess. While a lot of people might have similar traits, uh, each person combines these in a different way to create unique, irreplaceable conglomeration of all these little traits of what makes you wonderfully you. And there are inherited tendencies or things that, that were handed down because maybe genetics, and then there's things that are called environmental because of the way that you are trained. Of course, you're a born-again child of God, and as you allow the Word of God, that's where we really need to go. How do you lean your personality and train your personality? The Word of God, listen, not a book. I mean, books are helpful, but primarily it is the Word of God that is able to discern between the soul and the spirit. It is the word. I can't stress that enough. If you feel you're having challenges in your personality, you're blowing up at people all the time, or you feel unusually low, unusually blue, unusually depressed, or, or you're, having a, you're having a difficult, you feel anxious, you need to submit your personality to the word that's able to go in there and sift things and able to mix Find, shed light on it and help you to, to make sense of life, hello, and get you to a place where peace can come. To the choleric, it'll humble you. To the, to the melancholic, it'll, it'll free you from the bondage of having to be perfect in everything. To the sanguine, it'll, it'll, it'll gently bring you to a place of balance. So that you can accomplish what you need to 
in a happy way, but not so far out that you're way off the charts. And to the golden retriever, it will encourage you to take the place that God has for you where you can be the most of a blessing. You can diffuse, you can diffuse situations, not because of fear, but you diffuse situations from a position of strength, a position of peace, of a position of authority. Hallelujah. There's a difference, friend, a person that's trying to avoid, avoid conflicts or a person that has, they're just naturally by given peacemaker and they can come into a situation, they can negotiate and set hearts at peace and flow in an anointing. God's helping us. Amen. 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 So anyway, praise the Lord. I did the best I could here tonight. There's a lot, there's a lot to this, but, but, um, yeah, lean on. Back to Proverbs chapter 3 through 5 and 6. Lean on, trust, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart. And I like to put in here in all your personality. And don't don't rely on your own insight. And please don't face life just with your personality. It's got to be touched by God. And by all means, don't do what comes naturally. (laughs) You have to put everything through the word of God. Let him touch your life. And best of all, you have a really good life ahead of you. When God promises you something and brings something to you, it will be that way. But among, among other things like mixing it with faith and actually saying, be it unto me according to your word, you also need to lean your personality over into God's so that when you when you feel like uh, the, the impatience of the choleric, I want this done now, the, the, the touch of God, when he leans on God in his absolute goodness, that God and his absolute wisdom, that he is going to bring it to pass. Don't be impatient. So that'll help the choleric. To the person that that is... Uh, uh, that has given up hope. Maybe, maybe this might be the, the golden retriever. Uh, they'll see like, see, God still loves me and it's going to be okay. You know, I can, I can hang on to hope that God is a good God. Leaning your entire personality on God's goodness, his wisdom, and his ability to make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. You just need to lean your personality and let him do it. Look, there's things in life that he'll call you to do, but it's do with him. And if he's not moving, stop. Just rest in him. Let him do it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every saint that's come out tonight. You indeed have made us wonderfully, Lord. Psalm 139 says that we're fearfully...